for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into another edition of the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you boy oh boy george we are hours removed from what was one of the most bizarre days in Colts history. That's saying a lot from what this organization has gone through, let's say even the past five or six years for sure. My, oh my. We will react to Jim Mersey, Chris Ballard, and Jeff Saturday's introductory press conference from Monday night. George is in the building there, so we'll get his kind of thoughts on the atmosphere. We'll discuss also what this means for the Colts in terms of how their perception could impact possibly getting the next head coach of this team when it is in time to or due time to find a new head coach after the season. And also, too, we'll play a little game, have a little fun of realistic or unrealistic, talk about a few popular names about it being thrown right here for the next Colts head coaching uh, full-time job. Could they actually be in Indy next year? Is that more of a pipe dream? So we'll get into all that in a very loaded blue episode, uh, blue horseshoe episode, I should say. See, I'm too excited, George. There's so much going on. I can't even get the name of the pod right. But with that said, welcome in, George. And let me ask you, you were in the room last night. Watching the stream was one thing. What was the feeling? What was the emotions? What was what was it like to be in that room listening to Jim Mercer, Chris Ballard, and Jeff Saturday speak? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. I mean, it was a really crazy day to begin with, and then you cap it off with that press conference that got delayed. I think twice before it finally started, and then it started a half hour late after the third time that was thrown out there, and uh, it was really just jumbled from the get go. Um, you know, I think it was a stream of consciousness, Jim Mercer, which is always kind of a mixed bag. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. when that's going on, he was more defiant and combative, I think, than we've seen him in a while. Uh, Chris Ballard as well was pretty combative, which is, is not really been the situation, uh, more often than not recently. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, they're not used to sort of the negative headlines that they've been getting the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, things have, have not been perfect here, obviously for the past five years, but I think most of the time in general, the media coverage locally and nationally has been kind of in line with what they were doing. We understood uh, the direction we understood what they were trying to do. It might work. It might not work. That comes with the business, but you know, I think everybody kind of understood where the end game was now. Uh, that's kind of all out the window. And I think that's what you're seeing is, you know, reaction to that. And I think their reaction to that was, you know, Jim Irsay is one of the more bizarre comments he had on a bizarre night was, you know, he doesn't know how sausage is made, but he's been in the NFL for 52 years. And I think that's, I think that's what he's speaking to. I think the fact of the matter is, yeah, at one point he said the media is not held accountable, that we don't get fired if we write the wrong thing, which I would argue that's not true. Um, and we get fired if our company just runs out of money, right? I mean, there, there's all sorts of things going on that that are out of our control that, that hold us accountable. Uh, but I'm not going to turn this into that kind of a podcast. Uh, it's just, it, it, just the idea that, that the whole day was so unhinged. I mean, that's the word that, that I would use, uh, circus atmosphere, dysfunctional, whatever you want to call it, along those lines. Um, it was a night. The scary part is, like you mentioned, like, you know, one of his famous or one of the most memorable lines of the night, but I don't know how a sausage is made, but I know how to, you know, build a winning football team. Like, the sad part is, like, I could have thought easily five different lines. He said, you know, we're not a rocket company. We're not building a rocket to go to Mars. We're just here to, you know, win football games. It's not that hard. Like, it was, it was wild. You know, in one sentence, he's saying – you know, he's happy that Jeff Saturday has no experience. In the very next sentence, he's saying, you know, he has all the right experience needed. It was like you mentioned, it, it was a very bizarre 45 minutes for sure. And the two of these main takeaways I had coming out of that, mostly Jim Ursay press conference, was that number one, 
I didn't get a clear sense of this, the direction of this organization. That was something we talked about on the emergency pod on Monday. And in case you missed it, myself and George again did an emergency pod when Jim Irsay uh, fired Frank Reich and then hired Jeff Saturday. So if you missed that, wherever you get your Blue Horseshoe pod, right there, make sure to check that out. And, and you'll hear our initial reaction to the uh, very bizarre move. And that was one of the things we talked about on the emergency pod, George, was maybe we'll get some sort of clear direction from the press conference of where this team is heading. I personally did not get any idea of the sense of direction they're trying to go. And number two, I don't think this move was made to win games. They could talk about, you know, bringing in a guy who's a leader. And Jim Mercer, again, can talk about how in one sense he has no experience and he's very happy because he's not scared. And we'll get into that in the whole analytics discussion. But also, too, then he said, well, he's all the right experience needed. Jim Mercer was pressed on the, the, you know, the hire a few times and asked, why is Jeff Saturday the move? Didn't really explain it very well. That kind of left you feeling good if you're a Colts fan whatsoever. So that was at least my two takeaways. Number one, again, there's no direction for where this team is heading whatsoever. And number two, I think it's also clear, this move was made with not winning in 2022 as the main priority, which again, it should be. But in case there's any doubt that this Colts team is still all in or trying to win games, I think Jim Mercer kind of cleared that all up with some of his explanations or lack thereof of, of uh, as to why Jeff Saturday uh, was hired. Yeah, I mean, it was just odd. I think we're, they were all over the place with that, you know, because he was saying, like, he's happy that he has no experience and he's happy that he has no fear. And then, like you said, he was talking about some of the experience he does have and how that relates to, uh, you know, what they want to do moving forward. So it, it, at times it felt like he was he was trying to set him up, set Jeff Saturday up as, as the permanent replacement or at least kind of sell him as that. And at other times it felt like, uh, you know, th th that it was just a fly-by-night kind of a thing. The thing, if you take him... At, at face value, which is what I tend to do, because I, when I start reading into things, if I'm wrong, I'm going down a, a, a path that's completely, you know, of no use uh, to me. So if, if you just take him at face value, I still think it's it's hard to understand this move happening now. Uh, if you really do believe that this guy with special leadership qualities, who deserves this shot, who has a chance to be a, a successful coach in the NFL, how does bringing him in at this point in the season uh, with with eight games to go when, you know, literally he, he's sitting up there six days before he's going to coach his first NFL game. And they didn't know at that time who's going to be the play caller. I mean, I'm just seeing our great producer, Aaron, you know, noting that that's breaking as we're on the air here, that the play caller is going to be Parks Frazier, who was the assistant quarterbacks coach, who was really the right hand man to Frank Reich uh, along the line. But, you know, on Monday at, at 8.30 at night, Jeff Saturday sitting there saying, I don't know who's going to call plays on Saturday, uh, Sunday. I'm I'm kind of going through that right now, uh, interviewing guys and trying to figure that out. How is that a situation that's putting him to succeed? Put aside what the team's goals are. Put aside, you know, what needs to happen the rest of the year. If you take Jim Irsay at face value that this guy was a leader who was, you know, going to be uh, – a special coach at some point, mm -hmm. you know, because he felt like he's got the right stuff. Why now? Why eight with eight games left in a season where he's literally taking over a team he wasn't in training camp with, a coaching staff he's not dealt with? It just feels like he's he's in a position to fail to me. I totally agree. And that's what's so, again, what's so confusing when Jim Mercer said multiple times, you know, this is for eight games, but hopefully more. Like, again, you mentioned it. He's hinted a few times that he is hoping that Jeff Saturday crushes it where he's the permanent head coach at the end of the year. But to your point, like, you are literally now asking a guy to come in in the middle of the year. Sure, he's a paid consultant, but how much are you truly around the team and truly, you know, get in the feel of a locker room where you have an ability to, to succeed? Where you mentioned, even though, like, 
He's the head coach. He's not calling plays without a doubt on offense. He's not calling the defense. Like basically, he's a figurehead for lack of, you know, for lack of a better word, and is going to just be overseeing the offense and the defense. But what can he truly do outside the offensive line, which again he is a you know a specialty with, and that's the only thing he fixes, George. Then this move is worth it. This move is absolutely worth it. If this time next year we could talk about his impact on the offensive line and maybe Quentin Nelson remembering how to block and Ryan Kelly figuring out protections and everything else and them taking a step in the right direction in 2023. Otherwise, like what can he truly do? Because his hands are so tied because the season is already off and running. You're you're midway through. He's coming in, you know, out of the blue essentially from an analyst role. You cannot truly bank on Jeff Saturday having any sort of chance to win this job. Like if that's what Je- uh, Jim Mercer is thinking, like, oh, we'll give him a, a shot here. And basically, this is a de facto tryout. What do you, how do you think he could actually win the job? Like, what do you think he could truly do to impress you in eight games with not a clue uh, about what to do in offense, what a clue about defense? Even if he has a certain idea of what he wants to do offensively, wants to run a certain scheme or wants to run a certain style and defense the same thing, he can't implement it. George, like the players are there. The, the the offensive coaches you have are going to run the system they know. The defense, like Gus Bradley's not changing his scheme to fit what Jeff Saturday has an idea of doing. Like he can't literally do anything. No, and I, that that's the thing to me. I mean, like you don't have a training camp. You don't have OTAs. You don't have any sort of mechanism at, at this point in the season to change the offense completely or change the defense completely or even really change – significant amounts of personnel. I mean, you're going to change starters and moving guys around, but what they do, what they're asked to do is going to stay pretty similar. You know what I mean? You're at that point in the year. You you can play a little bit more to to Sam Ellinger's strengths, for instance, like we were talking about on, on the postgame pod. You could do things like that, but you're not suddenly going to rebuild the entire offense around him right. and play a completely different scheme. Um, you know, I, I, look, I'll, I'll be quite frank. I to me, if you were going to make this move and the idea is that you want Jeff Saturday in the mix to be the head coach going forward, I would have done what everybody's been asking for for a long time. I would have replaced Chris Strausser. I would have brought Jeff Saturday in as the offensive line coach, let him do that for eight games, see if there's improvement there, and then throw his name into the mix when when you go into the you know end of the season in the head coaching situation. For one thing, Frank Reich deserved better. I think we've talked about that you know several times uh, on this pod anyway. Um, he's a really well-respected guy around this league for a lot of reasons. He's a really good offensive mind. I know there's a lot of people unhappy, you know, with his play calling or whatever. Uh, it could be worse, and, and you may learn that pretty soonly uh, around here. Uh, but, you know, I, he's a guy who who has a lot of friends in this business, who's got a lot of credibility in this business, uh, who deserved better, honestly, the, the, yeah. the way that this was handled. Uh, I feel like a slap a face into to him to you know fire him midseason and then replace him with a TV analyst whose only coaching experience was in high school football. And it's a slap in the face of the rest of this coaching staff. I mean, if, if you're Gus Bradley or John Fox right now, you've got to be thinking that, that you're done as soon as the season's over. I, I don't care. They're not going to do their job differently. It's not going to affect how they, they finish this year. They're professionals. But if you're on this coaching staff and you just got passed over, uh, either if you're Scotty Montgomery and, and Parks Frazier is going to be the play caller now, you know, if, if you're Bubba Ventrone and, and you're a rising head coaching candidate and you didn't get this job, you know, you've got to be thinking that your time is 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 numbered here. Again, I'm reading it. I just doing what I said I wouldn't do. I'm reading into to, to things, uh, but it, it just seems like human nature. I know for a fact uh, I've seen evidence that there are coaches outside the organization that are very flummoxed and angry and, and frustrated by this going on. It only stands a reason that the coaches inside the organization are feeling the same way. 
I mean, how can you not? It's it's even more dumbfounding when you like hear Jim Mercer speak on Monday night, and he's saying that basically Jeff Satter was the option, the only option. Like basically, if Jeff said no, Frank Reich is still the head coach. What are we doing? Like, like what has Jeff Saturday done or shown you that it's like this is the guy? And again, he's the. We would have kept Frank Reich unless Jeff Saturday uh, said yes. Like that, that's an awful message. Like you said, the rest of the coaching staff, where Jim Mercer flat out said, "I believe in none of you." We would have kept the head coach, and right now is this offense is, is in a downward spiral. Uh, if you know the TV analyst and, and former Colts great center said no, like that's so stupid, it comes off so bad, not just national, but like you said, to every other coach in that building. Yeah, uh, you know, I want to make a point too. This isn't an anti Jeff Saturday stance from me. I mean, I think Jeff's a really good guy, I think he maybe has a chance to be a good coach at some point in his career. I think it's just a terrible situation to come into and a terrible time to do it, uh, you know, and, and to make that move. Now, if you make it in the off season, people are going to question it. And they're going to say, well, hey, you know, are you sure? But there've been guys with little coaching experience who've been hired before that, that part of it isn't the unprecedented thing here. It, it would have been bizarre still. It would have been rare, but the part that, that takes it into, you know, unknown territory that takes it into the unhinged kind of territory that we're talking about is that it happened mid season. It happened without a chance for him to hire his own staff without a chance for him being Jeff Saturday, without a chance for, for him to go out and, and, you know, interview offensive coordinators across the league, not just guys in the building, you know, who, who are wanting to do this. It just feels like, I don't think I can ever remember a team trying something like this before uh, in the history of the NFL. I mean, maybe back in the twenties or something when, <laughs> when, you know, it first started. Uh, but, the idea that that anybody, even somebody with coaching experience, is going to come in with eight games remaining in the season and and remake the franchise and take the reins when they weren't here the rest of the way. I mean, look around the league. How many players that got traded played? How many guys that got traded played for their teams this week? A couple, but they were all limited. Even in that situation where you're just a right. player and you have a role. The league is saying, eh, let's let's take this a little slowly. Jeff Saturday is going to come in literally off the street and be a head coach on Sunday. Hey, maybe it works. If it does, we're sitting here going, wow, Jim Ursay, you know, had, had genius. unknown genius, you know, a mad scientist. Uh, but the preponderance of evidence, and it's not just us, you know, people are going to say, oh, the media, you know, they're always negative. They're doing this, they're doing that. Tony Dungy's saying it. You know, I think Tony Dungy knows a little more football than me. I, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that he's in a better position to talk about coaching and, and these situations than I am. And, and he's out there on national shows today saying, I don't understand this move. I don't know why Frank Reich isn't still the head coach. I don't know why Sam Ellinger is the quarterback. Look, it's not just me sitting here in Anderson, Indiana, spouting off. It's a bad look. It's a really bad look. Like I said, we'll get to the national perception because this makes the Colts look really bad. Like I said, could really hurt their head coaching search here in a little bit. But also, too, what I don't understand, and what we talked about on the emergency pod on Monday, too, George, was this move seemed predetermined. Like, you don't come out of the blue with Jeff Saturday on a Sunday night and basically say, oh, let's just see if Jeff is interested. But if you take Jim Mercer at his word, which I think you're right, I think you do, because Jim Mercer is emotional. He's a fan more than anything else. So he'll kind of tell you what he's feeling. He basically said Sunday night. That was a discussion. Him and Chris Bowden had a long talk, and they basically came down to Jeff Saturday, and Jeff Saturday got the call Sunday night. So, you know, you talk about the shock that, you know, he didn't really see it coming. Like, this sounds like it, it was kind of out of the blue and almost spontaneous, which is even more of a concern rather than this was, a you know, a thought in the process or in the wheels and in the works even 
you know, going into the season, we'll say, because Jim Rossi has mentioned that, you know, you always have a few lists of, of names um, in case something happens. I don't know about you, George, but this is the thought I had. It was just like, it doesn't, like, this seems, again, like you're just kind of going, you know, going, but flying by night, kind of go, drifting where the wind takes you. Just like, oh, that's a name, Jeff Saturday. Like, yeah, what the hell? We'll try it. And then just with no thought or no real actual reason to doing so. I mean, I think there was more, you know, it's another, there's so many things in, in, in that press conference that were hard to, to parse through because it was stream of consciousness. And so a lot of things were contradicted or, you know, yes. within the same oh, sentence my. or later. And I think, you know, that's one of them in that, you know, he did talk about that. I think, I think it was more in terms of the actual decision to, to, to pull the trigger. Uh, because if you talk, you know, when Chris Ballard talked there briefly, he talked about, they, they were talking about trying to bring Jeff Saturday in as the offensive line coach in 2019 and the timing didn't work out, and so it didn't happen, and that they, they tried to hire him for some role this year that was not really uh, clearly defined, um, and it didn't happen. So I, I think that the, it was, you know, and Ursay talked about this being months or even years in the making. So I think there was more thought about him possibly doing this internally than last night. Uh, he had been around the team. He mentioned that himself. Mm -hmm. He'd been a consultant for the past few years. He's been on the payroll. You know, he's not completely coming in blind. Uh, but yeah, it still has a, a, a real fly by night quality to it. Um, and, and again, I, I struggle with the rationale for doing it now. Why did it have to be an in season move? Why wouldn't it be better for all parties? If Jeff Saturday was hired in February after an extensive coaching search. And also sounds, I think it's very clear by body language and hearing him talk. Chris Ballard is not on board with this. He is. He he mentioned that it was a spirited discussion with Jim Mercer, which I think would would lend you to think that he was against it and maybe trying hard, whether it was to hire someone else, like internally, whether you know we don't know if you want to fire Frank Reich, and it sounds like definitely. And then one thing we can conclude, he was not on board with hiring Jeff Saturday. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely Jim Mercer call. Um, you know, and, and he's on board with it now because that's what you do in in this business. They've talked about it before. You know, when you when you collaborate on all these decisions, there's always somebody who's not going to agree. And once a decision is made, everybody's in because that's that's what you've got to do. You know, you're moving forward. Uh, I just don't know what it says about Chris Ballard's spot moving forward, too. I mean, that's another thing that we'll get into as, as the weeks go on. But uh, if it is, as it appears from the outside, a, a Jim Ursay call, um, you know, he, he gave the, the dreaded vote of confidence sort of to Chris Ballard. Uh, during that meeting. And, yeah. and I do believe that he, he holds Chris Ballard in, in a very high esteem. I, I know that. Uh, so it would not shock me if Chris Ballard is survives this, that would, that would not be a shocking situation at all. Uh, and if he's involved in, in whatever decisions made at the end of the season to hire a permanent head coach. Uh, but it's another part of this that right now is, is a really bad look. And it's why this team from the outside looking in right now, feels very functional. And another thing I don't get to is the biggest reason that Jim Irsay gave as to why Jeff Saturday was hired and why he was, quote-unquote, the, the right guy for the job, the only guy for the job, is his leadership. And now I get, look, I get Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay will be able to measure that more than, obviously, me and you can because we're not in the building every single day and we're, you know, you're not talking to every single player on the staff and kind of seeing Jim, Jeff Saturday at practice and kind of running a team. But also with that said, like you mentioned before, you're bringing in a guy – who is coming in basically blind nine games into the season where the head coaches are probably upset that, you know, or, or I should say assistant coaches are probably upset that there's at least four of them that realistically had a chance to become the interim coach. 
the players, I'm sure, if you're a player, I don't know how you, you process this and truly feel good about it. When you, you have Frank Reich fired, and maybe you're on team Frank for, uh, fire Frank Reich. Okay, fine, but now you're bringing in the guy with zero coaching experience whatsoever, and you expect Jeff Saturday to try to win over a locker, win over players halfway through the year when you don't really know what he's doing, or he doesn't really know what he's doing, and that's the biggest thing that he's going to, you know, the biggest, I guess, uh, feather in his cap is his leadership, and you expect him to command a room when – it's almost imp- like you mentioned before, it's impossible really for him to have any sort of success. I go back to, you know, kind of what we were talking about with Sam Ellinger. Like, you know, this line has not played well uh, and you're not giving him the best chance there. And then you fired his offense coordinator. And now you fired his head coach. He's got another new voice in his ear now this week. Um, you know, I, I feel like he and, and Jeff Saturday, two of the most important positions in any franchise are both not really in situations that are geared towards their success right now. Um, it, it's hard to understand the decision-making right now. And, and I think that was one of the most disappointing things about the press conference last night is you didn't come away with uh, a real solid feeling about why some of these decisions were made. I'll tell you right now, one of my takeaways driving home was that they missed Frank Reich already. I felt like if you go back through the years, you know, and the craziness that's happened here. And in particular, I'll go with the biggest one that night. I believe it was a Saturday. I could be wrong. And somebody can, can correct me, but I think it was a Saturday night when Andrew Luck retired. Yes. And you're, I'm there in the building and somebody just took the air out of the entire city. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it was one of the biggest gut punches I've, I've seen happen as, as a journalist at any level. And I'm driving home that night with my wife who went to the games at that time. She shot, uh, photos for us and we're doing an emergency podcast literally in the car on the way home and we're talking about how this is going to test the organization in so many ways and how you know frank reich and chris ballard's leadership is going to be revealed because that this is unprecedented a 29 year old quarterback just retired uh, two weeks before the regular season and all day sunday i'm doing radio hits you know national things and 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 you're just in this storm of negativity and really almost feeling like I have no idea what happens next. And Monday afternoon, we go into the building as we would for a normal availability. And Frank Reich's standing up there in front of everybody. And he has that, that pastor mentality that he, that he exudes sometimes, you know, where he's almost giving a sermon to everybody up there. And at five minutes in, I was like, you know what? They might survive this. They might be okay. Because Frank had that nature about him. He could take this chaos and he could bring it into a calm center. And even if you didn't agree with what he was saying, you felt like he did. He believed in what he was doing. And there was a plan. And it might not work, but he was 100% committed to what he was doing. And he knew what he was going for. It, and there was a goal. And you try, you know what I mean? He was really good at articulating those things because that's the kind of leader that he was. And I felt like last night with Jim Ursay up there, he was unable to, to, to bring the chaos to a point. It just continued to spiral out of control. So I feel like already they're missing Frank Reich. Now, will I feel that way by the end of the week? Will Jeff Saturday be able to come in Wednesday and and do what Frank Reich did that Monday morning? I don't know. That's part of gauging the leadership. I just know that through some of the dark times that this franchise has had, through some of the bad runs, and even even at times this year, Frank has had an ability to stand up in front of the media and at least project – this 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 organization still functioning. They're still going to be it tomorrow. It's a good point, and like I said, it just goes back to you. And part of the reason why, like one of the main takeaways uh, coming out of the press conference on Monday was just like the fact that they don't feel you know like they don't they feel like they are directionless. Because right, Jim Mercy just spouting off for forty five minutes, and 
like I said, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. You don't know where he's going. You don't know what his vision for the team is. I thought super scary that kind of highlights, you know, the point you're making now is he almost like is out of touch with reality. Like he's referencing, you know, his records from like 2000 and how the Colts, you know, in the upper quartile, the upper quartile, the upper quartile of the league in terms of, of winning. And it's just like, sure, when, when Peyton was there and when Andrew Luck was there, things were, for the most part, you know, going really well. They were winning a lot of games. Obviously, you, you won a Super Bowl with Peyton. You got to two. Lucky you were a perennial playoff team when he was healthy. But it's like, you look at like the last five years, I think they've been nowhere near that. And sure, when you lose your quarterback, not many teams are, are recovering fast. Don't get me wrong. But it's almost like Jim is just like missing the point of just like the biggest thing you are missing right now and needing is a quarterback. Like you don't need, you know, leadership, sure, and, and going, you know, out of the box here for, for Jeff Saturday or having a, a yeller and a scrimmage head coach. Like that's all things that sure maybe you want for yourself. But it's like you also, it's like he's missing the biggest glaring weakness for this team and why they haven't been anywhere near towards the league, why they are nowhere near his two Super Bowl in a decade proclamation he made last year or during the golden era. Like it's 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 a leadership from all the way at the top where it's just like when you do kind of miss that guy who kind of keeps things even, Steven, the, the ship just, you know, it's rudderless. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing of it is, you know, I don't know if it's as rudderless as it appears right now because we, we are not getting clear answers. And I think that's part of what 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 part of the problem part is, the issue, Jim, right? You know, for all of Jim Irsay's strengths and, and I want to I don't want this to become bash Jim Irsay pop by any stretch of imagination. I think he's been good for this community. I think he's been good for this franchise. Uh, but, you know, for all of his strengths and, and all the things he's done right now to, to combat mental illness, which is. That's way beyond football. That's such a great thing that, that he's gotten behind and and brought a lot of awareness to. And I think is is something that's terrific, you know, and, and everybody needs more of. He's never been the guy who's great at being the point man. I mean, even when Luck was here and, and Peyton Manning was coming back, he had that bizarre press conference he did in the indoor facility and it talked about Star Wars numbers and and kind of, you know, all over the place. Because like you said, I think it's the best thing and one of the worst things about Jim Irsay is you, you never wonder how he's feeling. You know, last yeah, night was very true. obvious that he was a little bit angry and he was a little bit defiant. And I think up from a standpoint, if you want a reason to believe in this, look, he's 100% behind what he's doing. Whether or not we are, That's true. he showed that he is defiant and he's, you know, he's, he's defending this move. And I think that's a good thing. But I think he gets emotional and he tends to ramble and it's hard to kind of, like we were just talking about, it's hard to kind of pull that in. I think... Last night would have gone better if Chris Ballard had been the point man. I, I really feel like, uh, even though he's angry too, I was just um, gonna say, <laughs> yeah, I think things would have gone well that way, and and that's why I think you know, the rest of the week I'm I'm open minded because I think Jeff Saturday, I, I said it yesterday. I think on a personal level, there are a lot of similarities between him and Frank Wright. Uh, they're obviously strong in their religion and their faith. They're, they're 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 very, you know, being a man of God is a big part of who they are. Uh, being a huge family person is a big part of who they are. Uh, you know, how they relate leadership to football, I think, is, is very similar. So it's going to be interesting to see the way Jeff Saturday handles this. Last night, uh, you can't really ju judge much off of that. You know what I mean? And uh, look, dysfunctional press conferences happen and things go well. Nick Sirianni's first conference in, in Philadelphia was a disaster. Great. You know, I don't think anybody's upset with him right now and how things have gone. Uh, so at the end of the day, it still comes down to what happens on the field. And I think part of the reason this feels so chaotic and dysfunctional right now is you benched Matt Ryan. You went out and lost to a bad commander's team the next week. You fired Marcus Brady and traded Naheem Hines. You had statistically by yards, 
the worst game you've had in 25 years. So I think that's part of why the things are leading in this right now. You made decisions the last couple of weeks that didn't produce any kind of immediate uh, benefit. And it's easy right now to look at the way things are going and, and watch how dysfunctional things were on, on Monday night and say, this is just another, another stick on the pile. Absolutely. And you hire someone in Jeff Saturday who, again, it's going to be very hard to judge if he's actually doing a good job. And if you, if you want this to be an eight game tryout, it's going to be almost impossible to actually see what he can do and if he could be potentially the guy for the job moving forward. So with all the dysfunction that is going around, I think it's an interesting time, George, kind of talk about the Colts from a national perspective. Because like you mentioned, they're going to be doing a head coaching search soon. They're already with the Panthers. A few other high-profile teams, like maybe the Chargers, maybe the Broncos, maybe the Cardinals, could be making head coaching moves as well. How are the Colts perceived, and how did yesterday either increase or decrease their attractiveness for potential head coaching opportunities and candidates, should say? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And we'll come back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you are downloading and subscribing to the show and tell your Colts friends about us. We both would really appreciate it. So, George, coming off of that intriguing, I guess we'll, we'll say for lack of a better word to put it nicely, press conference on Monday that the Colts introduced Jeff Saturday and really was most part a grilling of Jim Mercy more than anything else. I think Jeff Saturday had like two or three questions directed his way. It was actually kind of ironic. Um, with that said, is it fair to right now, when you look around the landscape of the NFL, all 32 teams, is it fair to say right now the Colts are the most dysfunctional NFL team currently? It's hard to think of anybody else. And it's it's really funny to say that because Carolina's pretty dysfunctional right now. Uh, you know, they, they've got quarterback problems. They 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 they're going through their own coaching search. Uh, but it still feels like there's more of a play in there. There's more of a goal that they're trying to reach. Uh and, and that they I think they feel like if they're able to get Bryce Young or, or CJ Stroud or Hen and Hooker, or whoever that might be, that that they'll they'll be right back on the path. This right now feels like it's more than just a quarterback away. You know, I don't think I think Matt Ryan being in there kind of showed that it's more than just a quarterback away. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's hard to say. I mean, Cleveland's dealing with with the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, and, and so there's that level of dysfunctionality there, and, and the Cardinals. And their quarterback was yelling at their head coach coming off the field. So there's a level of dysfunction there. But I still think even with all this going on, the Colts are in the upper quartile of the upper quartile <laughs> of, of dysfunctional teams right now. Um, you will see. And I think the, the fact of the matter is the only way you fix this in this league is winning. I think that's why it's an interesting situation. We talk about them being rudderless and directionless. The more they lose, the better draft pick they get, the more some people are going to celebrate that with good reason, the more they're going to look dysfunctional to everybody else on the outside. It's it's a bad situation to be in. I'm with you. I, I think the Colts are by far this year the most dysfunctional team in the NFL currently because you just look like Part of it is like there's like no direct, like we don't know what they are trying to accomplish. Like Carolina, you mentioned they fire Matt Rule even before you know uh, the Colts fire Frank Reich. You have PJ Walker, back, uh, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, kind of all fumbling over the, the starting quarter position. But you hire Steve Wilkes, who's on the staff already. At least he has an opportunity to win the job. He has had coaching experience before. And the Panthers, to their credit, at least they've been quiet ever since they fired Matt Rule. There's really they're not in the discussion whatsoever. You have you know the commanders, but Dan Snyder's Dan Snyder, and to Ron Rivera's credit, for the most part, when it comes to on the field um, play and organization, they are quiet for the most part. They're not in the headlines a lot. And the Jets are actually turning around, have a good defense, and kind of figuring it out. The Browns, like you mentioned, there was a lot of dysfunction in the offseason because of what they did with Sean Watson. 
But again, they are not panicking with so their slow start. They have Jacoby Brissett. They, they had a plan. And to their credit, whether you agree with it or not, to hold their discussion, they are at least following their plan. They're not panicking. They're not firing coordinators or firing Kevin Stefanski or benching Jacoby Brissett because things are not going, you know, as swimmingly as they thought. We look at where the Colts, like you mentioned, they came in with high expectations. They 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 talked about Matt Ryan being there for two years, bench him after seven games. A week after they bench Matt Ryan, they fire the offense coordinator, Marcus Brady. A week after they fire Marcus Brady, they, they fire Frank Reich, and now they hire Jeff Saturday. You are going to have two different quarterbacks. You're going to have Sam Ellinger, who's already project as it is, having three different offensive coordinators, technically by title, in three weeks. That is the definition of, of of dysfunction. You know, like they just, they don't know what they're doing. It sounds like Jim Mercy is like blindly just kind of, you know, picking or hitting buttons. Uh, fire this guy, promote this guy, Let's hire Jeff Saturday. What the hell? They don't know what they're doing. Like you mentioned, it, it's fixed when you get a quarterback and you hopefully get on the winning track. But right now, the Colts have, the reason why I think they're the most dysfunctional because they don't have any sort of path. They're not telling you what their plan is to get back on the winning track. It's just kind of like, Ah, we don't really know where we're going. We'll see where the wind takes us. And that's never a, a way you get back to winning. Yeah, I mean, Chris Ballard was one of the most coherent and, and, and defiant things that was said during that whole press conference last night was Chris Ballard saying, everyone's firing in the towel on us and we won't throw in the towel. He's still talking about trying to be a playoff team, you know? And, and that's why I talk about this function. No one in Carolina is saying, hey, you know, they're, they're in a bad division. Everybody knows that. But nobody in Carolina is saying, hey, we're, we're you know, playoffs are a real possibility. We're, we're chasing this. Uh, no. And like you said, in Cleveland, the start's not what they expected, but they, they had a play in all year. They're executing that play and they're sticking with it. They think Deshaun's going to get them back in the mix. They might be right. We'll see. Uh, we could, if we had a Cleveland pod, we could discuss whether <laughs> quarterback coming off a two year absence is going to turn you around in the last couple of weeks, but that's not our problem. Uh, you know, it's, I, again, it's this rudderless sort of, you've got Chris Ballard over here defiantly saying, you know, don't give up on us. We're not giving up on anything. And then you've got Jim Ursay saying like literally minutes before that, I'm happy he has no experience. I'm happy he doesn't have any fear. I don't know how those things marry together. It's been that way all along. All of these moves, one doesn't offset the other. It, generally firing Frank Reich would mean you know, at this point in the season, okay, we think we have a chance. We're going to try to catch fire. We're going to try to go to the playoffs. But answering that with hiring Jeff Saturday is more of a, eh, we're going to evaluate things and see how they are moving forward move. And like you just mentioned, like you outlined it perfectly. No one's on the same page. No one knows what they're doing. The The owner has maybe an idea of what they want to accomplish. The GM has another. Jeff Saturday has, has in a, his own idea. And that all could run counter to what, again, could be the long-term health of the Colts. And we kind of mentioned it on the emergency pod. These next two months are going to determine kind of the, the Colts' future for the next five years, I think, bare minimal. Because, you know, we mentioned before that the higher the draft pick, if you hit on that quarterback, that all of a sudden changes your look. And that's also part of it, too, when it comes to dysfunction, George. If you get a quarterback, I think that drastically changes your perception now moving forward. Because I think for a long time, and it's true for the most part, right? They always say the fish rots from the head down. And usually anytime we talk about dysfunction in sports, it 95% of the time starts with the owner. But to at least Jim Mercer's credit, for how long he has been there, this Col the Colts were never really a dysfunctional team outside the last year or so, really, when he's kind of openly talking about Carson Wentz and kind of, you know, that really where it's – the whole Carson Wentz was really kind of where it started, where Jim Mercer kind of started talking, you know, bad about his team and kind of talking against what Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were saying. But when Peyton Manning was there, when Andrew Luck was there, they had their faults, don't get me wrong, in terms of the roster and stuff like that, but – Everything was at least there was no drama. There's no questions, and there was obviously the direction was 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 
easy to know. Now it's like you don't have a quarterback. It's like everyone's losing their mind. And Jim says whether it's a lack of patience or, or just going crazy because five different guys in five years, like that is the bigger key, I would say, than even just the owner. Is just the lack of a quarterback right now is hurting this team more than anything else. A thousand percent. And I think that's where it's coming from. I think quarterback purgatory is a tough place to be. It it, it drives people insane. Uh, it's the it's the hardest thing to do in the NFL to go through it. Um, I mean, look at the Bears. They've been in it for 100 years, you know, and, and now it looks yeah. like there's a, a hope that, that that Josh Field, Justin Fields, Josh Fields would be a whole different situation. <laughs> uh, but it, that Justin Fields is trying to, to you know, to, to put some light at the end of that tunnel. And, and, and it's changing the perception of that franchise. I mean, with him playing well in the last two weeks, think about how differently the Bears are viewed now than they were, say, going into New England. Uh, even losing to Dallas, he played a really good game. Losing to Miami, played a really good game. There's hope for the future there now. And it changes the whole way you view it. To me, the best example of this and, and how a quarterback changes things is the Bengals. I mean, there was yeah, dysfunction, you know, completely the, the definition of NFL dysfunction. They draft Joe Burrow. They give him Jamar Chase. They go to the Super Bowl. No one's talking about the Bengals being dysfunctional anymore. It's all about that position, that guy, uh, you know, carrying the, carrying the load. And I do think. I felt for a little while now that that's part of this. The Jim Irsay is the stress of quarterback perch work. Cause he really, look, the man took over control of this franchise in 1995. So for the most part, his quarterbacks, as far as up until, you know, a couple of years ago when, when Andrew Luck retired, the guy who was the full-time starter, the franchise quarterback, if you were, were Jim Harbaugh, a brief period, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. So, yeah, Not you've bad. had Curtis Painter in there and you've had guys around there. You know what I mean? But he's never really had to deal with what he's dealing with right now, which is not having an answer at that position and not having a ready solution available. Uh, and so you've seen them kind of cycle through the veterans. That's not work. I don't think, you know, I have no idea what's moving forward, you know, is going to happen here. But I don't think that they're going to go for another veteran quarterback. I think that's one thing we can safely rule out. I think they're going to try to draft their guy now. Uh, if they do end up with another veteran quarterback, it's going to be because all other options were exhausted. Uh, and, and I think that's where they're at now. That's where they've got to be. But I think part of that is, again, many, many strengths for Jim Irsay. Patience has not been one of them. I don't know if he had the stomach uh, for, for a complete rebuild. Uh, and I think that's part of why you saw the, the move go the way it did now. But I think now you kind of need that. You know, I think they're at a point, but again, I think people would feel better if they just come out and say that, say, Hey, look, you know what? We tried it. We've hit a wall. We're going to start over from ground zero. Um, the problem right now is that they're not committed to that either. And that's your harms and right. George, if, if people had an idea of what the Colts are trying to accomplish, it makes this entire situation less of a clown show than it already is because you now in hiring Jeff Saturday, having the press conference the way they did, the Colts' perception right now is that they are the most dysfunctional team in the league, you know, throughout the entire NFL nationally, and it only hurts their ability to to get a good head coach. You hope to come into Indy because it's like you're right. The best way right now for this team to turn around is get a quarterback. Well, the best way to get a quarterback is to lose as many games as possible and get as high of a draft pick as possible. I do think the attractiveness of the Colts is tied to where they're picking in the draft. And if they're picking fifth, it's a whole hell of a lot more attractive for a potential candidate than if they're picking 13th, right? So the goal is to lose as many games as possible. But when now you hire Jeff Saturday out of the blue to be your head coach, you now have, you know, reporters like, let's say, Kimberly Martin. who does a great job for ESPN as a national reporter. She was texting NFL executives yesterday, and some of the words that she tweeted out that they were texting her, mockery, 
insanity, chaos. Talking about the Colts right now and hiring uh, Jeff Saturday. The Athletic did an article as well uh, from a national perspective, and they talked to executives as well, and they're kind of you know hinting at similar and using similar verbiage. Talking about the Colts. So the Colts right now are an absolute circus, in part because you hire Jeff Saturday out of the blue. And it's like the more they lose, while that helps them, also at the same time, it almost hurts them in a way because it only makes this circus more laughable and only kind of hurts from a national perspective. I feel like they're attracted is when it comes to some, you know, attractive head coach, uh, coach candidates that we'll get in here in a second. But you want to hire obviously the best and, and you need a really good head coach to help turn this team around. But it's also hard to get a good head coach in town when right now you are perceived to be a circus, as we know, perception is reality. And the more they lose, while it does help them, it almost does kind of help drive that perception into reality of this team is rudderless and a total joke. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I was kind of getting at earlier. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who just looked at the firing of Frank Reich and thought that wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, at this point in the year that, that you're technically you're still in a playoff race spiritually you're not you know realistically you're not but mathematically you are and so you're giving up on the season you know with with eight games to go and then you you follow that up with what was a slap in the face to the coaching staff I mean I don't think there's any other way to to really phrase that than then you know that hiring Jeff Saturday from the outside at this point is a slap in the face to the guys that you had in the building uh and so I think people from the outside are, are definitely looking at that as, as a negative when Tony Dungy is saying things, you know, b poorly about this franchise, things are going really bad because he's a guy yep. who will do everything in his power not to do that, to find the silver lining. So when he's going out on national radio shows and saying, yeah, this might not be the best thing to do. Uh, I can only imagine what people who already had a negative opinion of Jim Mercer are saying, you know, I, I think there's some unfair views of him out there uh, based on some things he's done in his past. Uh, that that now are going to be emphasized. I mean, let's just. I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm just trying to be real right now. No, you're. There are right. going to be people bringing that stuff back up and, and trying to say that you know this is a reason not to be around this franchise, and the only way out of it, like quickly, is to win. And I think that's why I. I it's so hard to understand what's going on now. You make moves like this. And you stand behind them. That's great. That part of it, they've done right. You know, there's no doubt. Jim Mercy's standing behind this. He's owning this. You know, but it, it only matters if you win. If you lose, uh, then it, it just looks even worse that, than it did at the moment. It was the decision was made to begin with. And last thing I'll say here, George, is like the firing of Frank. Like it's like the firing. Everything that happened the last 24 hours of this team, uh, head coach, it reflects how this year has gone. One step forward, like three steps back. We weren't surprised with Frank Reich being fired again. I thought they were, he would be fired at the end of the year. We both talked about him being a dead man walking. Okay, make the move after week eight, after what was an awful, lifeless performance. Okay, fine. Or, or week nine, I should say. Excuse me. Fine. But also at the same time then, if you hired anybody on the staff internally, if you hired Reggie Wayne, I don't think the Colts from a national perspective are really being mocked that much. Everyone kind of saw the Frank Reich firing coming. It's like if you promoted anyone from within, you, you anyone. Fine, okay, you, you see what, that's just a normal move. But to bring Jeff Saturday in, even if the record is the same between, let's say if, it's, if Reggie Wayne is the coach, let's say the Colts are, I don't know, 4-13-1, or 4-12-1, I should say, right? And if the record is the same with either Reggie Wayne the coach or Jeff Saturday's the coach, I think the perception is worse because, because Jeff Saturday's the coach compared to if he was hired internally and just, you know, made an interim coach uh, a, a less controversial hire then again you, you bring someone out of the blue out of the studio to be the head coach absolutely and, and that's why i said i think you have to win now because if you if you 
if you had promoted Reggie Wayne, for instance, uh, which would be a very similar move in terms of experience right. and, and who the guy is and, and all those sorts of things. Uh, first of all, the media would love it because we would love to have Reggie uh, in front of us every week just because, of you know, he's he's, he's one of the all-timers as far as talking to us goes. Uh, but that, you know, that aside, I – I think you're 100% right. It's there would have been some questions, and there would have been really him instead of this guy or or this other guy. But at least he was on the staff. He's been around. Uh, it wouldn't have been anywhere near the level that it is right now. Uh, bringing Jeff Saturday out of the ESPN studio and and, and putting him in, the, in in that seat. Um, and and again, I think the record would be viewed completely differently because it would be more traditional. I think there still would have been criticism. I think you'd still have people saying, "Really, not Gus Bradley? Really, not John Fox?" Uh, but it wouldn't be anywhere near this level. Uh, it would be much right. more along the lines of, well, okay, let's see what Reggie's got. He's been there all year. He's done a really good job with the receivers. I think they've all come along. I think everyone would kind of agree with that. They, they've exceeded uh, the expectations for them coming into the year. So, you know, hey, why not? There, there's there's a reason to promote Reggie Wayne to this spot. Uh, and if you went 4-12-1 and one with him, there would be a lot of feeling of, hey, you gave it a shot. He did his best. It didn't work out. Now, making this move, when you when you go this unorthodox, this unprecedented, Aaron, again, our, our great producer, saying the only time this has happened is 1960s with Norm, Norm Van Brocklin. You know, when you do this kind of a thing, it better work. You better win. Because now when you lose, it looks like you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? It, it goes from that was a bad decision to that was a insane decision. Why would you ever do that? And now, again, I think wins hurt this team in terms of, like, you know, bringing a good head coaching candidate in because, again, the, the higher the draft pick it is, I think it's, you know, it's less attractive for a potential guy because, again, part of the allure for the Colts would be, hey, you're going to, you know, get a, a, you know, we'll be able to pick your guy, you'll be able to mold him, and you'll kind of, you know, you two will be able to get plenty of time here to work it out, and you will have your guy quarterback. Again, to your point, now it's almost like you, in order to make the Colts less of a laughing stock, you have to win. Which then in turn makes the draft pick worse, which in another way makes the Colts, you know, unattractive. So it's like even when you do the right thing and fire Frank Reich and kind of wave the white flag on the season, I don't care what Jim Mercer will say or not, and Chris Ballard could talk about it. They wave the white flag, wave the white flag on the season. Now it's like you put yourself in a position where it's a lose lose either way. Either you win games, you get a worse draft pick, and you make it less attractive, or you lose games, you're truly a total, you know, clown show, and you appear more dysfunctional than maybe you actually are, and that's a turnoff for, you know, prospective head coaches that, you know, could really help, you know, be a good fit here. So it's like a lose-lose situation, just like this entire season, George. They make one nice play, they have one nice win, and they find a way to, to screw it up and, and take two major steps backwards. It is the, the, the Colts are on theme. I'll give them credit. At least they, they are consistent. They are very consistent. And this year, it's been a whole lot of consistently bad decision-making, consistently bad play. And, that, and it goes back into that directionless idea that we've been talking about all day. You know, you've got a situation now where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And it's working. It, even this own decision with Jeff Saturday is working against itself. So, and now you also have me sad that Reggie Wayne's not the interim head coach. So thanks for that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That would be a lot of fun. It'd be electric to see his press conferences. That is for sure. So speaking of the Colts attractiveness for head coaching uh, candidates, let's do a little realistic or unrealistic, George, a few popular names that are thrown out. There's already some odds um, out there for the next Colts head coach. So we'll discuss the real, you know, realistic names and some of the pipe dreams, can they actually be in Indy next season? We'll do that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. As always, download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, where you can listen to myself and George all the time, break down all things Colts, and it's going to be a very interesting next two months, that is for sure. So, George, since now the Colts will have a head coach opening going forward here at the end of the year, let's just quickly here kind of hit on 
a few candidates and whether they truly are realistic or unrealistic for the Colts to actually pursue whether they could be on the sideline in Indy next year. Let's start with the betting favorite, according to Bovada. It is not Sean Payton. It's not Jim Harbaugh. It is none other than Peyton Manning. Is that a realistic candidate for the Colts to be their next head coach, George? I'd love to say completely unrealistic, but given what we just saw, I have to say there's a less than there's a non-zero chance here, right? I mean, uh, I think bringing Peyton back into the organization in some form or fashion is something they want to do eventually. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him come in as like a football czar kind of a role, uh, even if Chris Ballard's retained, you know, just kind of a uh, president type of a situation. We'll see. You know, it, if I was him, I wouldn't give up the Manning cast, though. That's going pretty well right now. <laughs> That's true. It's a lot of fun watching. He's a funny guy. I mean, Eli. I will say 0%. I would be completely shocked if he even takes an interview. Like, I just can't see him on the sideline. I don't think he's a coach, personally. I think ownership, like you mentioned, president, I absolutely could see kind of maybe taking a John Elway role for the Colts one day. Absolutely. I cannot ever see him on the sideline being a head coach and kind of uh, doing what he's doing. Not to mention, too, he has a good life. Like, heck, being a head coach yes. is not really fun in the NFL, George. It's 24-7, 365, long hours, a lot of stress. Peyton's living the life, as he should. Don't give that up. Like I said, don't give up Absolutely. the Manning cast for, uh, to, to coach uh, the Colts next year. That's for sure. How about Jim Harbaugh? Realistic, unrealistic? Uh, somewhat realistic. I think a lot of it depends on how he's feeling now at Michigan. You know, he obviously flirted with the NFL last year with the Vikings. Uh, things didn't work out there. And I also think with him, I think personnel is a big part of this. Most of those college coaches come in. They want control of that roster because that's what they obviously have in college. Uh, but, you know, I, there's going to be reasons if, if, if Jim Irsay is looking to replace Jeff Saturday with another ring of honor inductee, Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> at the top of that list. Right. I mean, you, you got a guy who, who won in Philadelphia or won in San Francisco and did it uh, with different quarterbacks. He did it with Alex Smith and with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and I think he's a guy who really, you know, if you look at Michigan and their resurgence, it's built on that running game. So I think he's a guy who would try to get the most out of Jonathan Taylor. I'll say somewhat realistic, but I, again, I'm, I think it's more on his end. I would wonder what his level of interest would be in, in taking. I'm with you there, right? I think if it's going to be no, I think it's more Jim Harbaugh turned down the Colts and let's say uh, the Colts say no to Jim Harbaugh. I think Jim Mercy, again, if, if Harbaugh's in, I think that Jim Mercy would absolutely fire Chris Ballard if that's one of the things you got to do in order to get Jim Harbaugh to town. I think it's very realistic. I, I know last year he flirted and got an interview with the Vikings. And then when he did not get the job, he came back and basically said, I'm here for Michigan as long as you want me. Personally, I don't buy it, George. You you go to the college role playoff last year in Michigan, you, you immediately take a job or an interview, should say, the Vikings. I think that itch should turn the NFL is there. He's done a great job in, you know, repeating his success in Michigan. I think he would definitely want to go back to a place he used to play for. Uh, he's familiar with an Indy. I definitely think it's a very realistic uh, option for, uh, for the Colts and Jim Harbaugh, for sure. How about the big name everyone is talking about, Sean Payton? Realistic, unrealistic. Um, you know, I, it's another one. I think it's more on his end than the Colts end. I mean, obviously Jim Irsay has been interested in Sean Payton before. I think there, it was pretty well documented. There were talks with him. I believe it was 2016, might've been 2015, but I think it was 2016. Uh, and then he got the re he got the, the new deal with the saints, uh, and nothing came of it. Uh, so I think the Colts will definitely be interested, but if I'm Sean Payton, like you're talking about Peyton Manning, you got a pretty good life right now. I would, I think I'd just stick with my TV gig for a while until that perfect spot comes along. I think he's the guy of all of them. What we were talking about earlier, where the the, the draft pick really going to hold some sway here over that decision. Um, I I think he's the guy that if 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 he felt like he could get a young quarterback he believed in to mold, he'd be much more interested in it. But if I'm Sean Payton, I'm waiting for like Andy Reid to retire and just taking over the Chiefs. 
I mean, I think it's very unrealistic because I think honestly, Monday night just kind of showed you like, why the hell would Sean Payton come here? He's by far the most coveted candidate. What, you know, you, he possibly potentially could coach Justin Herbert next year, uh, Kyler Murray next year, or you could, you know, get the third or fourth quarterback in the draft this year for the Colts and just kind of take over a team that still has a lot of holes and is nowhere near, you know, say playoff contention. That's part of the reason why he retired with the Saints, right? He's just exhausted. Like he was doing all that work with Jameis Winston, trying to get him back after after Drew Brees retired. He goes, I, I can't, I need a little bit of a break. So I would be, again, kind of Peyton Manning, floored, absolutely shocked if we're talking about Sean Payton being the next head coach of the Colts, just because I think there's one better opportunity to better quarterbacks. And he's also mentioned too, he wants an established quarterback, which the, maybe the number one over pick league said will, will change his mind. If it's Bryce Young, he will look at it a little differently. But outside of that, the Colts have a lot of work to do. I just don't see how. After Monday night, hearing Jim Mercer talk, hear Chris Ballard talking kind of, again, a directionless team, why he would say, that's the team for me. When he, like you mentioned, absolutely can be as choose as he wants, wait as long as he wants, he'll always be in demand. The Cowboys, I've always had an alert for him as well. Like There's plenty of opportunities where he could land that are right now a lot better than Indy, that is for sure. How about the guy who was hired, Jeff Saturday? What are the odds that you think, or what are the chances realistically he is back next year as the full-time head coach? No, he's got to win, and, and I don't see that being a really good chance. So that's why I put him really low on the list right now because I think he's going to have to be at worst four and four uh, to, to really you know try to make a case to bring him back, and, and I really just don't see that happening right now. Look, again, maybe maybe this is all evil genius on, on Jim Mercer's part. Maybe he's mad as a fox, and, and none of us are going to see it coming. Uh, but unless they, they have a really good finish to this season, it's hard to, to see any scenario in which Jeff Saturday returns. I'm 100% with you. I, I don't know what he could physically do or possibly do, George. Like you mentioned, he's coming in halfway through the year. You had eight games left. You don't know the offense. You don't know the defense. I don't know what he could truly tangibly show Chris Ballard and Jim Mercer to say, that's our guy moving forward because it's an impossible situation where he's going to really not be able to have any sort of fingerprints on this team because you're so far in deep with so much decision. You have no, there's no personnel choices, no scheme choices you can actually make in order to kind of show, oh, this is what I bring to the table because everything's already done. You're too late into the season for sure. So I'm with there. It's going to be extremely hard for uh, for um, Jeff Saturday. How about Matt Rule? Failed in Carolina, good college coach. Is there any chance you think he could be a uh, coach, Colts coach next year? I mean, I have to say non-zero again on here because he interviewed for the job back when Frank Wright got it. You know, actually, it was during the process that led to Josh McDaniels. Uh, and at that time, Chris Bauer was really one of the first people to kind of put him on the NFL radar and, and bring him in for an interview. Uh, so, you know, there, there was an interest at one point. I would think that his Carolina run probably would, would make them back off. Uh, I think you'd want him to go back to college and succeed again before you, you know, that kind of rehabilitation kind of a kind of a role there where you where you go somewhere else and, and then that makes you more attractive to come back into the league. So I would put him on the, the unrealistic scale, uh, but again, a non-zero because we know that there's been interest in him here before. I go unrealistic for two reasons. Number one, you mentioned before, he came from Carolina. He, Carolina and the Colts are really more similar than they really should be. And it's actually kind of scary between ownership, between quarterback influx. Like if you're Matt Rule, you just were there, you're kind of going to Carolina West by going to Indy right now with, with you know, the questions there and, and the dismay. Not to mention too, if you're the NFL, like he's a college coach. Like I mentioned, I think he has more success as a college coach than NFL coach. There's not a lot that you feel good about with Matt Rule, you know, where he just got, let's say a raw deal in Carolina. You think he could be a better fit here in Indy. So I think it's, I think both sides mutually would just, not have a lot of interest. Like you said, he interviewed before, but I don't think it makes sense for either side to say that's our guy moving forward. How about let's do a little few college coaches here, George. How about Ryan Day, Ohio State? Any realistic chance there? 
I lost you. Sorry. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. I throw Ryan Day, Ohio State. Ryan Day. Um, I think he's a very interesting guy that could be tied to the quarterback as well, because I think when, when you look at his situation, uh, if they could get CJ Stroud in here, maybe he'd be really interested in doing that. You know, I don't know. Come in with a guy who he knows, uh, and, and can work with. And, and I, he wasn't a head coach when Paris Campbell was there, but he was on the offensive staff. So he knows him. He would kind of have an idea of how to kind of, uh, you know, work him into it as well. Um, I, I, I wonder his interest in jumping to the NFL right now. Uh, that might actually come down to that game at the end of November. I mean, if he loses two straight to Michigan, uh, they might not be so friendly toward him in, in Columbus anymore. That's a good point. That could be the, the Colts ball right there from the next head coach, depending on who wins. I think it's a there's a chance, absolutely, I would say more realistic than unrealistic, like you mentioned. That's, that's a coach I think you hit on perfectly. That's going to depend on the quarterback. If you have a high pick and maybe it's CJ Stroud or maybe there's another guy he likes, I think it's more likely he would jump rather than if the Colts are picking there at 11, 12, 13, and you're not really in that range to get a, a franchise quarterback per se. All right, last one here. I like this one you threw out in, in your article, George. How about Luke Fickle at Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, I feel like this could be a, a shot at trying to, to to match what Tennessee has in, in Mike Vrabel. They were teammates together at Ohio State. They were roommates together at Ohio State. They're best friends. They have a lot of the same philosophies on football and on life. Uh, you obviously know two guys are exactly the same. But I think there's a lot there. And honestly, Fickle right now has a better coaching resume behind him than Vrabel did when, when he was high C. You know, he had a few years uh, as a defense coordinator in the NFL, but not a whole lot of a track record at that time. And so I wonder if, you know, Luke Fickle's a guy, Chris Ballard has, has been very open about how much he respects that Cincinnati program and the way things are run. Uh, and maybe he's a guy who the, the pay raise would, would be really attractive to him. Absolutely. I think I'm with you. I think it's realistic. You have, I mean, not that this matters too much. Alec Pierce, you know, you drafted from that program uh, with your first draft pick last year's draft. He, he's a Midwest guy. So you kind of fit right in the, you know, smack dab middle of that. He runs, like I said, a really good program that is NFL, um, like an NFL style. It's not like, you know, one of these gimmicky college offenses, like, you know, Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly, uh, especially Chip Kelly when we saw the NFL did not really work out too well, but it's a guy who just builds his teams on toughness. You want to, like, I love what the Titans do and Mike Vrabel. That's a guy who I think you can make the argument gets more out of his team than the town he has and compared to any other coach in the NFL, because that team is always tough. They should not be right now in first place the way they are. They, they played a great game against the chiefs, uh, with a backup quarterback and Malik Willis on Sunday night in on the road. So like that's if you can get a, basically a Mike Vrabel Jr. in here, a guy who's owned the Colts, George, I am a hundred percent in on that. I would say absolutely realistic. So that will do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Again, make sure you're always downloading and subscribing so you get an alert anytime uh, a show or a new episode does go down. We will be back on Thursday to preview what is going to be arguably the most interesting game and most unpredictable. Game of the season in which the Colts have always found a way to surprise, and the season has gone any way but we thought. But Raiders, Colts, Josh McDaniels at one time thought to be the Colts head coach, now taking on Jeff Saturday. So we'll kind of get expectations of what to expect from Jeff Saturday in his head coaching debut and give you a game pick as well. So between now and then, have a great week. We'll talk to you on Friday right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.